1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 to 9, Peter says this, that God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time and cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now listen to this. He says, be alert in a sober mind. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings that you are. Father, I pray today that as we, as we look at the importance of praying for our spiritual protection, that, Lord, you would take away any obstacles or roadblocks that the devil is putting in our minds right now or any kind of distractions. And we know that he does not like to be exposed. He does not like to be uh, talked against, Lord, when it comes to the things of Christ. So we ask you today, Father, that you would give me your grace and you'll give us, give your people your grace. Me to be able to speak without any kind of confusion and your people able to hear, Lord, clearly in a way that will benefit their souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. The ones to, uh, to trust God to help you to pray according to the pattern and the manner that Jesus teaches will provide, it's more than just us fulfilling responsibility. It's, it goes beyond that. A lot of times we, when we do things, when we do difficult tasks, and prayer can be difficult, and we've talked about that, how we have to learn to pray. It's um, something that every, every disciple of Jesus has to learn to do. It doesn't just come natural to us. And Jesus, that's why he's given us these guidelines about how to, how to pattern our... How to, he gave us a pattern here to, how to, to pray over these various uh, topics, you know, these various essentials here. Uh, but we don't, think of it, we don't think of something else. We forget this, that when you begin to obey God's word, whether it's even in weakness, maybe you don't feel like you're doing it very well, God looks at every effort, especially when we do it with all of our heart, the best we can, you'll find God meeting you on the other side. You will. It's amazing to me. You will find... Can I say this? And I'm not, this is an exaggeration. This is the truth. You'll find wonders that you didn't expect. You'll find them. You may feel that your prayers, again, aren't very powerful. But listen, if you follow Jesus' pattern, the pattern we've been discussing, we've been preaching about the last several weeks, if you follow his pattern, let me tell you, you are in the best of company. You are praying the way Jesus prayed. You couldn't be in any better company than being with Jesus in the way he prayed, all right? And um, you'll discover, let me tell you, insights and fellowship from the Holy Spirit that suddenly catapult your mind to understanding portions of God's word that before were confusing. Let me tell you, when you begin to obey God's word, when you just make the smallest effort, if with all your heart, I should say, you, you may not feel like you're doing very well, but you're doing the best you can. Let me tell you, you're going to find yourself many times suddenly catapulted into understanding things like, wow, I never realized that, Lord. You'll be listening to a song, a song that is full of Jesus and full of the scriptures. And suddenly you think, wow, I never put those two things together. I, that, that song just taught me doctrine, the doctrine of the scriptures. 
And that is in the scriptures. And then you'll go and look in the scriptures and you'll, and you'll, you'll find truths that, that didn't really make much sense to you before suddenly becoming wonderful and full of the glories of salvation and that he's provided for us in Christ. Would you be surprised to know that God pursues you? Would you be surprised to know that? I, I know we're supposed to pursue God. I mean, we've, we, that's our responsibility is to pursue Him uh, for sure. But, but the scriptures are really plain about how He actually pursues us. Uh, he doesn't need you. He doesn't need me, does He? Someone said, well, God needs our love. No, He doesn't. God's perfect. God's almighty. God needs absolutely nothing. He needs nothing. And yet, He pursues us. He chases after us. Um, we learn from Genesis that, um, that the first you know, thing the Creator did after Adam and Eve rebelled against Him was not what our parents did. What did our parents do? When they rebelled and they, and they all of a sudden realized they were naked and they were guilty of rebellion and, and anarchy against God, or I should say, you know, they, of you know, uh, war against the Lord, their hearts all of a sudden changed. What did they do? They ran away, didn't they? They ran away and hid. But what did God do? He, he knew what had happened. He went looking for them. The very first thing in Genesis that we find that God was, is doing is, is chasing after Adam and Eve. And of course, he knew where they were hiding. I mean, he's God. But we read where he says, Adam, where are you? He's looking for Adam. And we, we see this carried over in, in, in Scripture throughout the, the entire Old Testament. And even in the New Testament, Jesus came teaching the same thing. That God took the initiative to pursue us and to reach out with His heart of reconciliation uh, to, to find us, those of us who were lost. Jesus taught parables, for example. Remember about lost sheep. About the shepherd going to find the one sheep you know, out of the 99 or out, 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 of, the, out of the 100. He left the 99 and went after the one that, that was lost. He talked about lost coins and uh, finding lost coins. Um, the point is that God pursues us. Jesus' uh, mission on earth was what? He said, I came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to pursue us, to pursue the lost and to find them. That was, that was the heart of his, of his mission, wasn't it? God pursues us because he loves us and also he wants to save us from his wrath, from his judgment. He doesn't want to pronounce judgment. He doesn't want to judge us, uh, you know, guilty of our sins. Uh, he wants to save us. And so because we couldn't reach out to him, because we couldn't reach him, then he's the only one that could, could provide a way of peace uh, with, with him. He pursued you and provided a way through Christ's death on the cross, didn't he? For us to be able to reach up and grasp his already extended hand. And that is why at the moment Christ died on the cross, that veil in the temple that would, that would that blocked you from the Holy of Holies, from where God's presence is. That's why the veil was, what, torn from top to bottom, right? Yeah, because God was pursuing us. I'm gonna, God made a way for us to reach Him. There's no way we could reach Him on our own, so He made a way that we could reach 
him through the cross of Christ, through the death of Jesus. So he pursues us even when we're obstinate. This is amazing to me. Usually when someone's obstinate, you don't want to, you just say, well, leave them alone then. Leave them to their own devices, you know, but God's not that way. Isaiah chapter 65, verses 1 to 3. Let me read to you how he acted toward the Israelites who were very obstinate and were rebellious and sinful toward God. God said this, he said, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, Here am I, here am I. All day long I have held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. A people who continually provoke me to my very face. Jesus, he walked among people that he loved and he grieved over their spiritual stubbornness. You remember what he said in Matthew chapter 23? Remember what he said? He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together. How often I've longed to gather them together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. So the point is that Jesus shows us, the Old Testament shows us that God pursues us. He continues to pursue us even after we have trusted in Christ through His indwelling Holy Spirit. God, He comforts us. You know, James tells us He comforts us. He corrects us. Paul tells us in Timothy, he compels us to obey his word. There's times he disciplines us. He slaps us on the wrist, you know. All of a sudden there's troubles that are coming in our life. We think, what's going on? And we realize there's something we're doing that uh, is is actually um, not not good. We're we're not obeying God's word as we should. God disciplines us, you know, because he wants to conform us to his son's image. He pursues us trying to pull us into a deeper commitment uh, to Him because it's only as we abide in Him and Him in us that we can bear much fruit, that we can, that we can show the fruit of Christ-likeness to the world. His pursuit, loved ones, is for our good. There is no greater honor in this universe than being the objects of the Lord God Almighty's pursuit. Think about it. This is what we will discover when we follow the teachings of Jesus. That God is already pursuing us. When you pray according to His pattern, you're going to discover that the Holy Spirit is quick. He is ready to lead you into green pastures of discovery. David said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me into green pastures. He leads me beside what? Still waters. You're going to find when you follow the pattern of Jesus, the pattern of of this prayer, you're going to discover the Holy Spirit is quick and ready to lead you into green pastures of discovery in His Word and doctrines that you've not understood before. And He's going to place you beside still waters in enlightenment that bring joy and bring strength to your soul. You know, that's what he does. Because he's already pursuing you. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us more understanding of who, of who he is. Amen. Oftentimes when we pursue God into a, a deeper obedience, we discover that, we, that he was simply waiting for us. He was already waiting for us there. 
He's waiting for us to get into the position where he could give us, if you will, it's not the right way to say it, but he was give, trying to give us more of himself or at least open our eyes to, to see him more, more clearly. Loved ones, I got to tell you, I long with all my heart to convince you that it's worth every effort to follow Jesus' instructions about how to pray. I just long that we would know the, the intimacy of God by simply taking at His Word and taking Jesus at His Word and obeying Him. And yes, I know it's hard. It's hard to get started. It's hard to take those steps because we don't know what we're doing. But just go ahead and do it anyway. And it's amazing as you begin to practice one step will then lead to another step. And you just simply are walking in what He reveals to you, how He teaches you as you practice prayer. One thing Jesus won't do for us. He can give us all the instruction that, he, that, that, that we need. But he will not. He will not. Uh, well, he won't do the obeying for us, will he? Um, he won't. He won't. You know, we can, we, we can take those baby steps. But he won't take the baby steps for us. He's waiting for us. Well, God is right here waiting for you. There, there, there's a line again that He will not cross. He won't obey for you. In John chapter 10, or excuse me, John chapter 9, when Jesus met the, the man who was born blind, you know what He did. He, he spit on the ground, He made mud, and He placed it on the man's eyes. This man had never seen it ever in his life. He was born blind. And what did Jesus tell him to do? John chapter 9, He said, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now I'm sure, I'm sure the man had been in the pool of Siloam many times to take a bath. And this time he's, Jesus said, go and wash. And the, Jesus didn't go with him. Jesus just went on doing other ministry things. And the man had to go. The man had to take the initiative to obey what Jesus said to do. And when he went, he stepped down that water and as he washed the mud from his eyes, Suddenly the miracle happened. The, the green pastures opened up. The still waters began to flow. He could see. <laughs> Amen. He could see. Jesus didn't wash. He didn't wash for him. The man made his way to the pool and washed off the mud himself and he came home seeing. Loved ones, even the smallest attempt at obedience, if it's done again with all your heart, will cause you to experience the power of God. I just hope that you will take that, take that initiative and want to get beyond where you're at now. Get beyond a, a higher level spiritually. Get beyond where you're at now. Where, you know, get beyond um, you know, the, the, uh, the dust and, the, and maybe those sinful habits that, that you're, you're wanting to put off, you, you, you wish you could get rid of, but they're just still part of your life. And the Lord's wanting you to take a step of obedience and begin to obey what Jesus says. You'll find God's power there ready for you. You'll find because He's already been pursuing you. He's already been pursuing you. Let's take a look here. Again, we've been looking at this. Prayer is a, it's a, it's a spiritual tool and even a weapon that God has given us on this earth to assist us in the great battlefield of spiritual thinking. Can I say it again? It's a tool 
prayer is and a weapon that God has given us on this earth to assist us in the great battlefield of spiritual thinking. Did you know that's where the devil fights you the most? It's right there. That's where the battle is, right there. It's in your mind. It's your thoughts. That's why the Bible talks so much in, in about how it's important for us to conform our thoughts to the Word of God or... or um, what did Paul say in Romans chapter 12? He said, don't let the world squeeze you into its thinking, but be renewed, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Be renewed, you know, by the transformation of your mind. As the Holy Spirit, as you obey God, Lord, He, he transforms our minds, helps us to think more and more like Christ, like the Word of God. And it keeps us from being squeezed into the way the world is thinking. Oh boy, this is a really dangerous thing. When you're always thinking like the world, you're always acting like the world acts. There's no difference between your life and, and someone who's not a Christian when your mind is filled with the garbage of the world. So the battle is right there. It's, it's in our mind. Uh, ones, our minds are supposed to, what did Paul say? Whatever is noble, whatever is good, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is true, think on these things. Think on these things. This is part of being a disciple of Jesus, isn't it? Um, a guy named William Cooper, uh, he was an Anglican, Anglican poet and a hymn writer. He was evangelical. He was a born-again Christian. He lived from 1731 to 1800. Listen to what he says here. This is a, a, a quote that is well worth remembering. He says this, When we don't pray, we quit the fight. Prayer keeps the Christian armor bright and Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Let's say it again. When we don't pray, we quit the fight. Prayer keeps the Christian's armor bright and Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Amen. Jesus has taught us so far in prayer that the first focus that we give is our attention to God's person. He said, when you pray, say, Father. Better translated, Abba, Father, which means intimate Father. Uh, we address God as Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When we begin prayer in our simplicity, in our baby steps, again, you just do what you can do. You address God as Father, and you appreciate him for who he is, for what he's done for you. Just take a few moments and do that. That's how you start. Hey, that's how you start, Jesus said. First, you focus on God's person. Then second of all, you concern yourself not with your needs, but rather with God's concerns, the advancement of his kingdom, his program. First, it's his person. Now it's his program. Your kingdom come. Your power, your rule, your authority. May it come to the world. May it come to our nation, our community. May it come to our marriages. May it come to our families, our lives. You know, we're praying that God's rulership, his authority will be established. You think, Pastor, that just doesn't seem very powerful to me. Pray it. Pray it. You may not feel like it's very powerful. Jesus said to pray it. You'll find it is powerful. That when you begin to focus on what the Word says, that in spite of what you feel, you just obey what Jesus said, and you'll find out there'll new, new things begin to open up about how you can pray for Turkey. You can pray for those people who are suffering there. That earthquake. 
You can pray for, you know, whatever God lays in your heart there, you know. All of a sudden you're, you're concerned about, you're so, you're so concerned about some, about our nation or about some other country, you know, or you're concerned about, you know, your own life, Lord. Is your kingdom really ruling over me? I, I have to make a decision today, Lord, about doing what's right. Lord, I pray that your kingdom will rule over me, that I will, I will do what you say. That's what the kingdom's all about, is God's rulership in our life. God's rulership in a community, in the world. Amen? So we pray for his program. And then Jesus said, then we can go on and pray for our provisions, what we need. Acknowledging that he is our great provider of our daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, even though we've got refrigerators and we have freezers that are stocked with, with uh, lots of food and things, um, they didn't do that in Jesus' day. They didn't have those things. That they, they, were, they were dependent on getting enough daily food. They couldn't store it up. So they said, God, give us our daily food. And in our situation, we have to acknowledge, we need to acknowledge that God's still our provider and he's the one who provides for everything we have. So Jesus said, we can come to God with our provisions, what things that we need. Maybe your refrigerator breaks down. You need a new freezer. That, I think you need to pray, God, you know, those things are expensive. How are we going to be able to afford it? You're the provider, you know. That's what he's praying about. That's what Jesus is saying. saying, then bring your request to God. God, give us this day the things we need to keep ourselves alive. You know? Um, our provisions. And then we talked last time about how that um, Jesus said, then we move on to number four. We come to our spiritual needs then. Isn't that funny? Our spiritual needs are way down on number four. Our needs. You know? Your spiritual needs. It's on way down there on number four. That's the way Jesus said to pray. And he said, when you pray, say, Father, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So we're supposed to pray for our spiritual pardon. Um, and we recognize that we must make peace the best we can with others in order for God to forgive us. You know, so we talked quite extensively about that a couple weeks ago, didn't we? About the need, the need to forgive other people. Not to hold grudges, you know, toward other people. Not to, not to hold grudges against uh, people who aren't even Christians. Maybe somebody who did you wrong in business. Or maybe somebody cheated you in town, you know, and, you, and you're still talking bad about them, you know. I mean, I've gotten some raunchy deals in town. And, and the Lord reminds me not to say anything about it. Forgive them and uh, go on, you know. Don't hold any grudges against people. Because when I do that, then I shut off the grace of God to my own life. He says it right there. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. And Jesus gave us plenty of parables and illustrations that when we don't forgive other people, their offenses against us, we cut off the grace of God from our life, being forgiven ourselves by, from God. Well, lastly, Jesus informs us here that we have spiritual enemies in this world that are not flesh and blood. An interesting request, isn't it? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we pray for spiritual protection. We were praying for spiritual pardon. Now we're praying for protection. Deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation. 
You know, the world holds two extremes when it comes to the concept of evil and the concept of the devil. One worldly perspective is this, to deny that the devil even exists. And you're hearing that more and more today, that the devil doesn't even exist. He's just an old-fashioned idea of ignorant people of the past. And, you know, you're Richard Dawkins and some of these people who, who believe that those are just uh, old wise tales, you know, superstitious ideas about the devil and even about God, of course. But on the other hand, there's, there's also a perspective that the devil is very real and is not that bad a fella, actually. So we got one, one, one perspective in the world that says the devil doesn't exist, and now the other perspective, he does exist, but he's really not that bad. In fact, he can even get a Grammy Award, you know. Um, Sam, Sam Smith got a Grammy Award, you know, for him back there in February, what was it, February 5th, uh, just this last month. Um, did you hear about that, where the devil got a Grammy Award? Yeah, amazing, amazing. The Bible reveals to us that the spiritual enemy of our souls is real. And Peter said he's like a hungry lion seeking to devour you. Seeking to devour your faith. To destroy your faith. He first appeared in the form of a serpent in the Garden of Eden. And we learn later in Scripture that he was created by God as an archangel who reflected the glory of God in brilliant colors. But he became filled with pride all on his own. He did not have a tempter. Some theologians think that's the reason why there's no salvation for the, for the angels because there, were no, there was no tempter for them. They, they were not tempted to sin. They just sinned all, all on their own against God. You know, Adam and Eve, they were tempted to sin. That's the, that's, some theologians believe that's why we're offered salvation. But, but um, um, he became filled with pride all, all on his own without the help of a tempter. So he became the tempter then of our parents. The Bible reveals that Satan and his demonic forces can, can, uh, can accost us. They can, they can uh, accost us. He accosts us, as a, uh, costs us as a tempter. You know, there's five functions that the devil operates in. He's, he's a tempter. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's an accuser. He's a, he is a, uh, a devourer. You know, those, those five capacities. Tempter, deceiver, liar, accuser, and devourer. And the, the enemy wants, love wants, to separate you from the Creator. Jesus said it's very important for you as part of prayer that you pray that you will not be overcome by the devil. The devil really, uh, you know, rarely, I should say, appears to us as, you know, this person with horns and a red cape and stuff like that. He doesn't appear that way at all. But the way he presents himself in forms of temptations and false doctrines and false accusations against us and deceptions that can, that can wreck us. So when we pray and lead us not into temptation... Are we implying that if we don't make this request, then God's going to allow us to get into temptation? Is that, what, is that what Jesus is trying to say? Well, of course not. Jesus isn't saying that God tempts us. God's not the problem here. Jesus is, is really, he's just trying to state something negatively in order to uh, say something positive. He does that in other places too. Like for instance, when he says, Jesus, he, he, he could say that anyone who comes to me, I will accept. But instead he says it this way, he who comes to me, 
I will no wise cast out. <laughs> so Jesus is actually saying something in a negative form to emphasize a positive. That's what he's doing here in this, in this prayer request. By saying, Lord, lead us not into temptation, we are saying this, Father, you have the power and the wisdom to lead us safely by all the traps, safely by all the traps that the devil has placed in our way. We depend upon you. That's what we're saying. Father, you have the ability, you have the power to lead us by all the traps, that we don't fall into the traps that the devil is setting for us. Someone saw a woman with a t-shirt that said, and lead me not into temptation, dot, dot, dot. I can find my own way by myself. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the problem, isn't it? That's the problem. For most people, and even a lot of Christians, temptation and sin are really not that bad. They're 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 not that hideous. They're not that abhorrent. A little sin, a little cheating, a little, a little lust after, you know, a, a little lying. You, you know what I mean? Some people really like temptation. And that's why they read the books they read. And that's why they watch the shows they watch. People like temptation, but they just don't like the consequences that it leads to. This is, this is just not a request to help us to not be naughty, loved ones. Listen to me closely. This is just not a request. Help us, Lord. Help us not to be naughty here. No, no, no. It goes much deeper than that. It's much more serious than that. This is to recognize that there is an enemy to your soul. You have an enemy. He knows your name. He knows that you want to follow Jesus. And Jesus' name is on you. And the devil knows your name and he wants to destroy you. Peter said he seeks to destroy you like a, like a roaring lion, like a hungry roaring lion. He wants to destroy you and he wants to separate you from God who is eternal life. He wants to convince us that God is not a good father. We're praying father, but he's not a good father. He wants to convince us that, that all that matters is establishing your own little kingdom and do it your way. Don't worry about what God says about how to live your, how to run your business or how to live your life or how to treat your wife or how to treat your husband, how to raise your kids, how to spend your money. Don't worry about any of those things. Do it your way, not God's way. Yeah. But our name is the most important, not, not his. We're supposed to, Jesus said, say, hallowed be your name, Father, but the devil tries to want us to say, no, my, my name's more important. It's what matters to me. And, you know, I'll, I'll deny God so people won't know that I belong to him because my name's more important. You know, we have to get our provisions any way we can. We can't trust God. We gotta, we gotta, if we need to lie, you know, I've known Christians who have actually even stolen things because they said, I can't get any place else, so I'm going to steal this one. Um, Jesus is saying here, so don't forget about your spiritual condition, about the danger of temptation. The enemy wants to separate us from the life of the Father. So what we're actually praying then is this. Father, when I have the, un- when I have the inclination to sin, Keep me from the opportunity. Don't let me go looking for it. 
when I have the inclination to sin, keep me from the opportunity. And when I have the opportunity to sin, keep me from the inclination. That's really important to think about. That'd be worth writing down even. Father, when I have the inclination to sin, keep me from the opportunity. And when I have the opportunity to sin, keep me from the inclination. That's what Jesus is saying. And lead me not into temptation. Keep me, Lord, from, you know, keep me from walking into a hole. The devil's trap. Keep me from that. You know, it's kind of like the person who's trying to overcome alcohol. You, you, don't, you, you don't set a Jack Daniels out on the coffee table. You know? And keep me, you know, lead me not into temptation. Well, <laughs> get rid of that. You know? If you keep falling in the same hole on that path, take another path. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. We have to, we have to steer clear of those temptations. The things that we can still steer clear of. Remember, behind the temptation is the plan of the devil to destroy us. And it's serious. So Jesus said, pray for your spiritual protection. Let me close with this thought for you. I heard a man who would play a game with his children where, when they were little that he would take a handful of pennies and he would say, kids, um, uh, try to pry my fingers open and if you can pry a finger open whatever I the, the, the rule is I, I can't put it back down you know once you pry it open it's, it's, it's open and so the kids they just worked so hard he said my kids they worked hard they just to open those fingers and of course when, when they would raise one up there'd be some coins some pennies would fall out you know and uh, I, they'd get another one up and some more pennies would fall out and uh, he said you know what uh, they would work hard and they'd eventually pry my fingers open and they'd get, get some pennies. He said, you know what, though? That's how people tend to think about prayer. <laughs> we pray to get out of trouble on this issue. Lord, I need a new job. Lord, my dad needs to be healed. Lord, protect us from this coming tornado, whatever it might be. There's a quick prayer that, that, that goes up. The, the pennies fall out of God's hand, so to speak, after, and after the crisis, we don't even think about God's hand anymore. We just kind of push it away. Jesus is trying to show us here with this prayer to learn a habit. It's a great blessing and wonder. This prayer helps you to reach out to God's hand that's already extended to you. That's what this is all about. Jesus is saying that. He's saying this prayer, if you will practice it, if you will attempt to grow in it, you will find that God is already reaching down to you and this prayer is the way you reach up to Him. You know, don't just pray when you're in trouble. Pray on a regular basis. Try to pray daily. This pattern of prayer. You know, sometimes you might be, you know, might be five minutes, might be ten minutes, who knows, it might be twenty minutes sometimes, but what, whatever, you're learning how to connect with the Lord with the way Jesus said that we are to connect and we'll find that God's hand is already reaching back to you to us Amen Father today as we as we 
really close this section of the Lord's Prayer is, is this disciple's prayer as he's trying to teach us. We know that, that you didn't uh, give us this prayer, this pattern of prayer, just as a joke. But this, this, is, this is something really serious and there's, there's powerful truth in it. And if, the devil just wants us to think it's just a, a thing that we all quote together once in a while as the Lord's Prayer. But it's something much more. It's, it's a pattern for our life. A pattern of how to connect and fellowship with the Father through the, the Holy Spirit and through the Son. It's a way, Lord, for us to, to connect, a way for us to cover our needs and to, to cover the needs of others and to, to realize that, that um, we have an enemy of our soul that is working hard to get us to sabotage, or to, I should say to sabotage our faith, to get us to shipwreck our faith. Lord, we pray today, I, I pray today with all my heart that, that there will be new discoveries of your word, new discoveries of, of things that, that your people have not known before and excitement and thrill and joy of being in green pastures and, and being by still waters, Lord, of your spirit revealing fresh things to our hearts because we're practicing what Jesus said to do. Or may we be determined to be invincible, determined to do what's right, we pray today that you will lead us not into temptation, that you will protect us from the evil one. That you'll keep us, Lord, from, again, those, those, uh, those pitfalls where the devil tries to trip us up and tie us down in some sort of bondage to sin. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Let's stand together. And uh, give someone a hug and, and uh, encouragement today. And I, I pray that you will go home today, sometime today, and practice this prayer.